Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. We come to you after a big week of UCLA football and basketball tip-off. So it's been an eventful few days, um, both coming up with uh, big W's over the past week or so. Uh, and yeah, there's there's a lot to be happy about, a lot to be excited about. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and start with football first. We took on Arizona State last weekend. In kind of a weird game, but, you know, weird things tend to happen in Tempe when we go up or down over there. Um, but this was really, uh, it was kind of a strange, unexpected game. We went in expecting Zach Charbonnet to basically run over ASU. If you remember from our preview of the game, that was kind of the key to the game is just running over ASU. And we found out Zach Charbonnet was actually not going to be playing which was a strange turn of events. So we had some other guys to kind of take over, including DTR sort of trying to reinsert himself back into the Heisman Trophy race in, in some ways. <laughs> he had a hell of a game. But yeah, what did, what did you think of the game? So first off, we still don't know why Zach Sherman didn't play. Uh, but anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to the coaches. Uh, when he didn't play, I think the thought going through most UCLA fans that watch this team week to week, because we didn't know what we had behind him, if we're honest. Uh, we, we, we've, we've been talking about that a lot, right? Like, what's behind Zach Charbonnet and what's behind that for the run game? And we do have to put this in context a little bit. Arizona State's defense has really been struggling. Um, they're, they're 103rd in run defense, so we, we do have to take that into consideration here as well. Uh but UCLA ran it up and down to the tune of 402 yards. Uh, you had basically 300-yard rushers. Keegan Jones was two two yards under 100. DTR going for 120. Kaz Allen going for for a buck 37. Um, DTR probably followed up his worst play of the year with like a sequence of a bunch of kill shots, uh, just just all the way down down all all the way up and down after that. Uh, Pretty much, this game looked over at forty-two to eighteen, um, and it, it it looked pretty much done and dusted. And then the UCLA defense that we all kind of knew was existing, uh, it, that existed in our back the back of our minds, we all kind of knew it was there, uh, but it hadn't shown itself really for an extended, consistent period of time yet this season. Uh, it's there, and so you and know, not in a good that, way, and not in a good way, exactly, and so. We started the season by saying that uh, you know we want to be top fifty in defense. Well, now with this game, we are down to sixty fifth in total defense. I think sixty fourth in scoring defense. So, I think that's about the right. That that feels right. Um, there was a week in there when we got to like thirty fourth, thirty fifth. That that just didn't feel right to me. Just if you if you were watching the games and and look seeing what you were what was happening. Um, but with that said, I, again, the, uh, this offense and this rush offense especially is just so elite. We are right now fifth in the country in total offense. DTR is just playing out of his mind, um, directing us in the run game, the throw game, all of it, uh, to where, you know, we, we got a system that's going that should be able to continue on into this weekend because we, we're playing another defense here that's really struggling. Um, and, and in many ways, this upcoming weekend could be very similar to what happened. Uh, but you know what, for, for Bruin fans, we, we've, we haven't won in Tempe in a long time. And 
yes, there was a bit of a scare there in the end, but but this was pretty much a dominant win. Um, so we'll take it. It was a dominant win, and I, I do want to point out that I think part of the reason why our defense let up so much in that second half was we had a lot of like second and third string guys in there. In, in the third quarter. Third quarter. Which, <laughs> look, I understand getting those reps for those guys is a pretty valuable thing. Let's let's not try to hide that fact. I get the, the mindset behind that. We were up big. We can get some of these guys who don't play a lot. Some reps, you know, could pay off in the future. I just think we did it a little too soon. Like, maybe do that in the fourth quarter. But to throw them into the third quarter uh, where ASU then started making a run, uh, that was a little bit of a, a problematic move on the, the D.C.'s part. And, and again, this was also the uh, another Clancy, Clancy Pendergast called defense. Um, our boy, uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Bill McGovern. Bill McGovern. I wanted to call him Bill McGovern. <laughs> Some I I don't know Bill McDonald I, I don't might know might as well be yeah why not he's McDonald <laughs> uh, Bill Bill McGovern again was was still out for this game he's still sick they haven't really said but he 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 was not calling the defense so another Pendergast game and you know the, the first half of the the game I would say the defense played pretty well against a an offense that has some weapons on it but. You have a quarterback who's never really started in in his career in college, uh, in Borgay. You have you know they have some some de- a decent running back, some decent receivers, but it's not we're not th- talking about like a, a lethal offense here, right? So we were able to shut them down for large parts of the game, and it wasn't that second half when we really kind of fell apart with those backups in there. So. I do want to put a little asterisk on the like defensive performance just because of that. But that being said, I, I think the coaching staff should know better. They should know better. I, I think so. ASU started the game well, um, scored points on their first two drives, uh, but then they went on five straight series. Now I, I guess really four straight series because one of them was an end of the half, uh, but four five straight series where they don't score, and meanwhile we're pretty much scoring touchdowns on every drive. And that's kind of what blew open the game there. Um, the first half, I think, again, is is what we're looking for. It's complementary football, right? Like, they did get some yards. They did get some points. But we got a few punt, a couple punts in there, uh, got a few stops. And the way that we moved the ball, um, that's, that's, that's more than enough, right? Uh, the way that we were running the ball, the way that DTR is playing, that's more than enough. And that's that's what we're looking for against these kind of opponents, it was encourage. I'll say this: uh, it was encouraging that you know, pretty much in in back to back weeks here, uh, against lesser competition, uh, UCLA made them look like lesser competition. Uh, you know, w- again, with the exception of the end of the game where we put in the backups and, and all the stuff you just said. Um, this is back to back very solid showings uh, overall. I'd, I'd say from the team. Right, they've they've taken care of business, and that's what we've needed them to do. Now, um, we got to take care of one more business here. One more business here. But uh, before we even go on to there, I, I do think that we found out some answers about the backfield behind Zach Charbonnet. Uh, a big, and again, it's, it is hard to take something, uh, some things from this, this game just because the ASU defense is so bad. But 
seeing Kaz Allen utilized in the way he was, was I think something that we've all been kind of calling for to some degree, but being able to use that elite speed really, really paid off. And we kind of got to see some, something from Kaz that we haven't been able to see in the past. And it was a sight to see. I mean, he, the 11 carries for 137 yards, you, you mentioned earlier, he was just, just running over that defense and just, was showing off that speed every time he touched the ball. Like it felt like anytime Kaz touched the ball, it could be a house call. It was that kind of game from him. So that was, that was incredibly fun to watch. So I I do think we have that kind of speed back. Uh, Keegan Jones showed something. I think he was playing with some aggression in this game more so than we've seen him before. He had that passing touchdown as well in this game. Uh, and he ran for nearly 100 yards and a touchdown uh, that you mentioned earlier. So, you know, he is a guy, I, I think it's fair to say we've been fairly critical of him over the, the past uh, few games, but he show, he stepped up this game. So that was that was good to see. Um, and and I, I feel like I'd be remiss to not mention Colson Yankoff in this game. The dude, he, he got eight carries. He scored a touchdown. He had 48 yards. But the guy just runs like a like freight train off the tracks. Like he just goes hard every time he touches the ball. He runs kind of upright. Uh, doesn't really get get low, but he's a big dude, and he just runs people over and runs with like a, a power and and ferociousness that I don't think any of these other guys have displayed, minus maybe Zach. Uh, so he was kind of fun to watch. It was nice and I think we him. need that, right? We we need that as a compliment to Keegan because we know what, what kind of back he, Keegan is more of a, uh, you know, a, a pass catching and a speedy uh, back. And he did run well at this game, like you said, uh, you know, got low, got the shoulders down uh, and got through some holes. Uh, but Colson, I think if you do have Keegan Jones as a featured part of your backfield, you need other options in there. To, to sprinkle in and you had Colson Yankoff as a power back. You had Kaz Allen as just a home run speed uh, back Kaz Allen. The point you made about getting him the ball. I mean, it, you just remember the times back to when, when Demetric Felton was here and all, all the Bruin fans were just screaming at their TV, man, give that guy the ball. He's, he's our fastest guy. Just give him the ball. And it, it's this weird shift back. I think for chip where, all the guys that we're using on the field, you can see like they all have their roles here, right? Kaz Allen is the speedy home run threat. Jake Bobo is the big possession receiver. Logan Loya is another speedy receiver that, that can be run on crossing routes and, and different speed patterns uh, in, uh, over the middle of the field. Then you got your big tight ends. Uh, every single player here kind of has their role and, and the coaching staff is is using them per their strengths. Because I don't think any one of these uh players that played at least this because because again we've talked about this before we have dtr and we have zach chardonnay that are just elite college players i think jake bobo's shown himself to be very good but more or less we have guys i think that they have talent but they have really specific skills and i think what chip has done this time uh with this this year's team is each one of them they, ha- they have a strength that's being shown through the offense and all of them complement off of each other so i think uh credit there we're also going a lot I more agree. tempo this year. I I agree to to your point that we've we've created specialization across our offensive unit. I do think though that uh, Kashmir Allen is a guy that should. He's a real player. Mold. Oh yeah, he's a player. Um, I I think he's shown enough now to 
both receiving and running the ball that he he should be utilized both ways. I mean, we've we've seen the speed, we've seen the catching ability. He ran with some, you know, some power here. He's not a huge guy or anything, but he he was able to to run between the tackles. Like he can do it all to some degree. And so not using him that way is is a really a disservice to his talent in my opinion. And we need that kind of do it all and and Zach to be fair, is also that guy. But Kaz has that extra kind of gear to where we can use him in that that manner in different ways and spread him out wide even. So I would like to see him used a little bit more in that way. I don't know if we will. To your point, we do seem to have very defined niches for each offensive kind of weapon that we have. So we'll see uh, if Kaz is used at all in a more versatile way because he does have that versatility that that a guy like Felton had a year or two ago so we'll see but I I do hope to see that that versatility displayed a little bit more last point I'll make on this game but and I don't have any stats to to back this up but it just feels like we're going more to tempo this year than we have in the previous years under chip I mean I I don't know if you feel like that I do feel that way I, I think that we it feels like because these guys know the system so well, especially the quarterback, we could probably afford to do that a little bit more. One thing that, that to your point about tempo, that just reminded me, like, we didn't have that many penalties this game that I can remember. Um, so that's a, that's a positive thing. And if we can't, don't get penalized and we can play a tempo game, then we absolutely should because we seem to execute pretty well when we move the ball quickly. Yeah, I mean, when Chip came, uh, of course, again, we all expected the the Oregon offense and such, and there's been many iterations of the offense that Chip has ran here. But this one this year is this really unique mesh of it, – because it, it is a pro-style offense that we run. Let's, let's not get this twisted. It's a pro-style offense, um, a lot of gap runs, inside zone, outside zone. Um, quarterback runs are, are in there, but then all the passing is all basically a lot of West Coast – pro style stuff but now we've added the tempo in the middle of that um to where it's this this nice mesh of all these things that chip has done throughout his career um it's been fun to watch and uh yeah i mean now we're down to the home stretch here we're down to the home stretch i remember when we first well when chip first came to ucla and we he was running all sorts of weird heavy pro sets that didn't seem to work, and everybody was just screaming. Anytime he ran tempo, it would be successful. And people were screaming, like, please just run blur. Please just run blur. Why? What are you doing? Um, well, not just that. I mean, like, when DTR, like, we see what he can do with his, with his legs. Um, now we and, can, and, right? Now we can. We, get, I, we yeah. can now, and somehow we never saw it for, for all those years, but now we're seeing all of that and the tempo. So, yeah, I mean... But I, I think my point is that blur aspect is now being thrown in there to success, and it's been fun to watch. To add yep. that extra wrinkle into the the fold has been been good, and I think been very effective for this offense. And we just got to keep chugging along against Arizona this weekend. So every Bruin fan is when they see Arizona. I mean, because because again, we're because we we do this because we're UCLA fans. Uh, we all. Our minds go back to 2005 with uh, Willie Tuitama just uh, r- moving all over the field, all over us, 
and ruining the perfect season before the USC game. Um, Arizona does not have nearly the team that they had on that day. Uh, but, you know, there, there's a couple, just because of the defense we saw this past week, um, you know, I, I think I think very highly of Jed Fish. I think you think very highly of Jed, Jed Fish uh, as an offensive coach. I and, do, yeah. And, 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 I, and I think that Arizona, um, they, they, they've, been, they've been playing well on that side of the ball. They, they did really well against USC uh, on that side of the ball. The early scripted drives, uh, I think we are going to struggle. But beyond that, if we can get into any kind of pattern that we did like against Arizona State and get a few stops afterwards, I think we should be okay. Um, because Arizona has an even worse rush defense than Arizona State, if that was even possible. Um, and so, so, so again, uh, if Zach Charbonnet is back, great. If not, um, you know, hope, hopefully we could just do pretty much the exact same thing this week and ride, you know, ride DTR in the run game to a win just, and just move on to, to USC week here. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some, some trickiness to this, this game, right? You have Jed Fish, who obviously knows UCLA pretty well, having coached here. You also have Johnny Nansen as as uh, Arizona's defensive coordinator, who actually was on Chip's staff for three years, so he knows Chip very well, and he, he so having some of that inside knowledge could could be helpful for them to disrupt us a little bit. I, I don't think they have the talent, but you know weirder things happen in college football, and so having some of those edges on on us could prove to be a little bit more of a challenge than we would hope, but. At the end of the day, Arizona has played now uh, three AP top 12 teams in the last five games, us being now the fourth one, and they have lost all of those games. And I would expect this to be the fourth loss now. I, I don't think that Arizona has the manpower or the talent or the, the scheme to really beat us right now. Um, but again, like... To your point, you know that that Bruin battered syndrome kind of always kicks in when you see this. And this, I know people were talking about ASU being kind of a trap game, but this I think is a pure trap game by definition. You have a inferior opponent coming to town who has struggled, not played very well, but you know they they do play for pride and we have a big 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 game the week after and it would be very very easy for our team to overlook Arizona and look ahead to USC so and from that perspective it is a trap game and so we do need to make sure that our guys are not looking ahead we're focused on Saturday we're not you know overthinking this we just need to focus and and again as you called it, have a professional game here and just dispatch Arizona and move on. I, so I think to avoid any kind of weird game, because um, there, there is a scenario again, because, because Jed Fish, the early drives, again, he, he scripts those really well, and I think they, they could have some success there. So we could be like we had against Arizona State in a situation where, you know, it's it's a game in the first quarter there. Um but for them to stay in this game, because again, Arizona has the 127th out of 131 ranked defense. That That's how bad they are on defense. Um, if we don't turn the ball over and 
we can at least just prevent big plays. Uh, I there there is no way really for Arizona to, to be competitive in the game. Um, they need to get some turnovers either either via special teams or via actual turnovers themselves, and they're gonna need some some big momentum plays and momentum swings to really just throw us off. Um, but barring that, if we don't do that, don't make any of those big mistakes. The game might be a little di- like weird in the first quarter again because because these games can be weird in the first quarter uh pack 12 after just, dark game right yeah the, some referee takes five hours on some replay review like things can happen right but 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 you go ahead and just do your game don't turn it over our offense should be able to score enough points to where we should have uh, a lead at halftime and then should be able to go on from there yeah i agree i mean Jaden delora can sling the ball I was looking at this up earlier. So he's actually seventh nationally averaging over 300 yards a game right now. So he can throw the ball, which doesn't always bode well for our uh, our defensive backs and our uh, secondary. So we do need to be careful with that a little bit. But I don't think this offense can, can keep pace with ours if we keep playing the way we have been playing. And I think we can very much play ball control on this if we run the ball effectively as we have all season, especially if we have Charbonnet out there. Um, it's it's a simple formula. We just need to pound the ball on them again, and if we can do that successfully, we win this game pretty handily, I think. Yeah, I also don't know if they got any kind of matchup for Jake Bobo or, or the, these these tight ends. Um, if, if those guys are one-on-one at any any spot uh they should be able to just go up and get it so yeah i mean that's that's this game we are now into november and so now it is a good time to rankings watch however is it actually a good time to rankings watch uh because the ap poll they got us in the top 10 but uh some ucla fans a little slighted uh, by what's going on in the college football playoff rankings right now well and and i think People should feel slighted to some degree. I think, and and what we're referring to is that UCLA remained at twelve, with a, a pretty you know convincing win over ASU, even despite whatever defensive slide we had in that second half. Like we still won by a, a good margin. Southern Cal, on the other hand, who stays at eight, four spots ahead of us, struggled against Cal. They really did struggle. I mean, it was a one-possession game, one-score game. Cal could have potentially won that game. Like, there were opportunities there for Cal to win. And so if you look at all of the metrics, if you look at even just from a pure schedule win-loss um, perspective, there's, there's zero, zero, zero reasoning right now that I can see that I think – the, even the national media is noticing to have SC higher than UCLA right now in the CFP ranking. Like, it's it's actually absurd. If you look at the schedule, for instance, USC has beaten no uh, CFP-ranked team so far. Their best win is basically against a middling, mediocre Oregon State team. UCLA on the other hand, has beaten two in in Washington and in Utah. So we have two wins. We did lose to Oregon. Oregon is a, is a, what are they ranked right now? Like six or seven in the CSD? They're sixth right now. 
so, you know, we have one loss. SC has one loss against Utah, who is a lower-ranked team. The only reason I have seen, and it is the most absurd reason, is some bullshit about Caleb Williams being able to score at will and being a very good quarterback. Literally the only, only like, reasoning someone put has put out there for why they think SC should be higher than UCLA. I think it's absurd. I think that there is obvious bias in the the CFP right now, you know, favoring a, a very 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 well-known, you know, blue blood type brand for for college football. I I think that's what it boils down to in this case. Like there's there's no there's no universe that I think you can really justify this ranking with with having SC higher than UCLA right now. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that one because that's the one that's relevant, obviously, to us and what's going to happen here shortly. Um, you know, but but there are many examples like that as you go through this ranking, and I'm not going to go through them right now. But uh, the, the the ranking is is filled with very vague art. Like you have to make some super stretchy, vague arguments for for why some of these teams are, are ranked where they're they are. Um, you talked about the why the the, the committee chair themselves, uh, and and so the, the reasoning that you spoke of that's what Boo Corrigan, the committee chair himself, said uh, about why USC is ranked where they are, and it's because uh, apparently you know they lost on a two point conversion on the road in the final few seconds. Something about emotion. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the amount the amount of emotion. Just a couple corrections to to Mister Boo over here. They didn't lose in the final few seconds. Uh, that two point conversion was with fifty seconds left. They still had a chance to go down and win the game, which they didn't do. Um, and then second off, obviously, you know, they, like they lost, right? <laughs> like they 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 lost. Yeah. The, they they just lost the game. Um, and there's so many there's there's layers to this, right? I think sometimes people look at the CFP rankings and they say like, oh well these committees like they have a, an agenda and they have a bias like they're, they're just going in there and they're trying to rank teams certain places to just justify other things uh, i'm not going to give them that much credit like I, I actually don't think that anyone sits down and says we are going to rank said team here so that later on i can rank said team here um i just it's just the it's like what happens with March Madness sometimes, but with March Madness, you have so many more teams that like the margin of error is, 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 is okay there. But in this, like, it's just a bunch of people who they don't watch all the games. Um, it's, it's whatever experiences they have had in football and in whatever, you know, conference biases they implicitly have just kind of naturally show up. So Boo Corrigan is, is from the ACC and very randomly, there are like ACC teams ranked all over here that I have no idea why they should be ranked where they are. Um, and that then like drives a lot of things of like, oh, well, if you put them there, then why should the next person be there? And why should the next person be there? So on and so forth. So like anything else in life, it's just people's implicit biases just randomly guiding a discussion to eventually come to a point where we are. I don't know if there's any like conspiracy theory in this whole thing. No, no, no. I, I agree. And, I don't think there's a conspiracy theory, but I think the But it's dumb, bias, but it's it's, yeah. it's just dumb, right? And, and for UCLA, I do think more than the other teams here, there is an impact uh, to this because just the way that our sport works um the way that you get into the the big invitationals like the playoff and such means you have to move ahead of the teams that are ahead of you and you know 
just looking at the teams that are ahead of us right now, uh, you know, some of them will fall just by osmosis, right? Um, you know, Ole Miss will be playing some tough SEC games. They play Bama this weekend, so so they they'll probably eventually move move their way out. Um, LSU, if if they go ahead and beat Georgia, that's chaos for everything. But but more more likely they will lose to Georgia, and so they'll finally find their way out. USC and UCLA will play each other, and that'll sort itself out. But the problems come when you know the way now that we've been ranked. Say we even go on and and get to twelve and one and and beat Oregon and USC here. Um, TCU is ahead of us, and they control their own destiny. Uh, Tennessee's ahead of us. I mean, I've seen enough of these, like, should there be a second SEC team debates to, to last a lifetime here? So, like, that, that'd that be a tough one. Clemson's year, still right? sitting there, right? Yeah, Clemson's sitting there at 8-1, and one, and if they get to be a 12-1 and one champ versus UCLA, like, that's a hard sell. So so there are actual implications to this. Um, if they put Clemson think... in somehow after getting shellacked by a bad Notre Dame team. I mean, Notre Dame lost to Stanford at home, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we, 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 we saw Stanford two weeks ago. All right. Like that, that is, that, that is a disgrace. You should not be in the discussion to be ranked in anything. They almost lost a Cal at home, Cal and that pathetic offense. So, I mean, Notre Dame's not really doing anything to anybody this year and, and them beating Clemson, I think justifies everything that's been going on with Clemson this year more than anything else. But I bottom line for UCLA now is um, you're going to have to win the rest of your games and then just hope that other things break your way. Because I do think even winning the rest of our games, if we do, if we're fortunate enough to be in that position, these committee people come up with all sorts of weird reasons. Like, oh, well, their defense, like they, they do it with TCU like a week ago. Like, oh, their defense isn't strong enough uh, than um, some other team or, or so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we got to win out our games and uh, look for – look for other results to go our way but uh you know one one no bs ranking it's 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 absolute bullshit and and one note on mr boo corrigan as you called him um i will only refer to him as mr boo corrigan now um i love it he he's also if you look at kind of the history there he's the athletic director for nc state we had that infamous uh cancellation of our bowl game last season at the holiday bowl due to COVID protocol within the UCLA program. You know, there was obviously some communication issues there. I think that we can agree that UCLA had, we really waited till quite frankly, the very, very last second, basically like three hours before the game. So he's, I think there's some, some saltiness there. You, If you recall, they were very angry, very publicly angry. They made a lot of disparaging comments. Their fans have been less than, uh, were less than thrilled about UCLA, but uh, UCLA backing out. So there, there seems like there's a little bit of an ax to grind there. And again, I'm not saying that this is some conspiracy or anything, but to your earlier point, like these implicit biases do creep That's the in. point, like, right? Like, I mean naturally like each person in that room has their own experiences with all these different teams and like i mean all the conversations we've had about implicit bias over the last two years in in so many areas right it's no different in this right you have so many experiences with all these teams in many different ways and that's going to show up in the agendas that you drive in all these different cfp meetings and such um and i think that's what happens 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, the playoff expansion and all that in the future to, to avoid all this mess. Um, but for the time being, we are where we are. Yeah. And, and some might also look at this as an opportunity in many ways. Like you look at our schedule now, we need to obviously take care of business Saturday, assuming we do. We actually go in and have an opportunity to beat a higher ranked team. Does that help us out in the end? Potentially. So there is, you know, a little bit of a silver lining here is that we now have the 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 time now to actually go and prove ourselves a little bit more. Can we go beat a better uh, allegedly better team than us? I don't think they're necessarily that much better than us if they are at all. But if the media thinks so and we can we can go ahead and prove that on the field, then that helps us out in the end. So there is that silver lining there that we can maybe, you know, thank the committee for. But yeah, it's uh, overall, I, I don't think it's a just, uh, it's justified to put them above us. Absolutely. The crazy not. thing is, and, and this is my last point on this. The crazy thing is there's Southern Cal fans and Southern Cal alum who are actually saying this themselves. Like Matt Leiner tweeted out that UCLA should be ranked higher than, than SC, which is nuts to me. Yeah, because it's just so obvious. Like, I don't know what the argument would be. Like, they played a common opponent that UCLA has a better uh, – they beat them, and then Utah obviously beat SC. Um, most statistical categories, uh, you know, very, very favorable, like, comparison – four spots it makes absolutely no sense absolutely no sense yeah but you know what uh we'll watch this weekend's results uh it would be cool if you know that that ends up being a cfp top 10 matchup uh, the week of the rivalry game um you know obviously not not shattering the earth with with this kind of a statement here but i just want to get through this game and get to that rivalry game um you know that that it's it that's a week that we look forward to every year and uh you know we got we got a game in front of us that we got to take care of to get there so let's do it yeah beat arizona and come out of it healthy that's that's the goal come out of it healthy get to the dance got to get to the dance yes we will we'll both be there so maybe we can live live stream our podcast from there from the rose bowl oh that's an idea <laughs> yeah somehow i don't i don't see that happening but Maybe. Um, anyway, so moving on to basketball, since it is November and basketball has tipped off. We had our first official game. I know we talked about the exhibition last week, but we had our first official game uh, against Sac State, our first D1 opponent. Um, and we looked pretty good out there. I think that the um, early consensus is, hey, UCLA lived up to its number eight billing, and we did so without Adembona. Uh, Adembona was declared some sort of weird NCAA ineligible for the first game. How ridiculous is that? I mean... <laughs> Look, the kid, the kid probably got given an extra kebab or something in Istanbul and was deemed ineligible. It's absurd. It's absurd. Uh, I, and Mick... Mick was clearly very unhappy about it. If you hear his comments in the post game presser when he was asked about it, so he was a little little testy. But 
this is this is a no surprise to anybody but um yeah so so we played this game without bona and it was it was it was one fun to to see the the guys back out there uh and two i think we we saw a little bit of uh, some flashes from this team uh especially from Jalen Clark i mean the guy just had an absolutely absurd game what did you what did you think of this game yeah uh i mean so so i we we definitely saw flashes of of what this team you know could be um and and hopefully will be uh in into the into the season I think that we have a ridiculous ceiling uh, with this team, and, and we'll first we'll, we'll first just like talk about the game itself. Um, you know, I think we see that that mixed words about Tiger hunting his shot. Uh, that was not just words. Um, that's that's actually what what he's going ahead and doing um, to the tune of fourteen shots this game, four three attempts, and uh, th- there may be games where he shoots uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Obviously, there'll be also games where he shoots a little less. But he's definitely hunting for his shots out there. Uh, Jaime Hawkes had a very efficient game. Yeah, it, I, I go both ways on it. Um, you know, we want the t- Tiger that we have seen all these these different uh, all these years up till now. He's been most effective as a pass first player. I do think overall, uh, I'm fine with him taking more shots uh, if that's the the approach. Um, am I as into him, you know, dribbling all over the place and uh, just trying to use the Steph Curry dance moves? I don't know if I'm into that so much. Uh, and and that was, I think, kind of the encouraging thing about this. Uh, I don't think that's what we saw uh, from from this game. Uh, I think that. You had him running, you know, in some kind of pick and roll action with somebody at any given point in time, to where you know you've Tiger the ability to either dish to somebody else or like go and hunt his own shot. We'll have to see how it goes uh, overall as the season goes on, because, and we're going to talk about this more. But I think one of the keys to the season is how Tiger and Bailey can both be ball handlers, um, and distribute and score. Um, but 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 again, like distribute and move the ball across you know the whole team and have everyone touching and feeling involved and moving so so long as you know whatever we're doing with that doesn't disrupt that because i think that's more the strength of this team than just being an isolation you know give me the ball and get out of my way like team that we've had in the last two or three years Uh, this team has a lot more playmakers has a lot more athletes the ball should be moving around a lot more um, and so long as that's the scope within which it's done, uh, I think I'm okay with it. I agree. The one thing I, I do want to call out is I, I don't know if we want to sacrifice Tiger being able to control the tempo if he's just trying to shoot. I think that was has been one of his strengths is like when we need to control the tempo of a game, slow it down if we need to, or if we even need to speed it up. Like Tiger is the guy you give the ball to and he will take care of it. By one protecting the ball and very rarely turning it over, but also then just making the right pass and distributing distributing the ball well. And if he's going to be trying to be a little bit more shoot first or more aggressive on on offense in that regard, I, I would be a little wary of that. 
again, hard to know right now against Sac State. Obviously, it's a, a less talented team, but we didn't really see that, so that's encouraging. But just something I I, I was thinking about when when we've been hearing about this and now we've been actually seeing it on the court is like, is he, are we going to sacrifice that aspect of Tiger's game? And hopefully when push comes to shove and we need to go into that mode, we can still use Tiger in that manner. Cause that has been one of his strengths. But so I'm, yeah. I'm actually less concerned on that bit because, uh, I do think that that is Tiger's natural game to be, to like control tempo and, facilitate and and do all that i think if the game calls for it and if mick calls for it um i think that 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 will that's that's in his wheelhouse and i think he'll be able to do that late in yeah. games and such so i think that part is uh i'm, I'm hopefully you know not not going to be too much of a concern also i don't think that like he was way too frenetic i mean he did rush a few shots and that's probably what led to the you know six for 14 um but I think tempo overall, like, I didn't see us trying to just be crazy with tempo in, in this game. No, um, no. Which, in, in a way that you, that lot, like, I remember last year in these kind of games, uh, we tried to do that whole, like, oh, we're going to run up and down the court, and um, it didn't really work. Uh, and this 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 game, I thought we, we had a good mix of, like, up-tempo when we had the ball and fast-break opportunities. Um, we had a good amount of, of pressing in there, but it was more full court pickup, not like just straight pressing, uh, all the time. And we got the, the horses to do it right. Um, uh, you, you touch on Jalen Clark. Um, let's leave the ridiculous stat line aside. Cause, cause that, 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 that's exactly what it was. It was just, just ridiculous. Historic. Um, historic in many ways. His energy was just so contagious, uh, to the entire team. Because uh, cause we were sleepwalking through that early bit of that game. Um, like, it was hard to watch the, the first, like, five, six minutes of that game. Uh, it, it was it was real hard. And then Jalen Clark just made a few plays, and it just sparked everybody. It just, it's just like everyone just woke up, and all of a sudden, the, the, the dogs were loose. Um, you know, he did that. You know, David Singleton came in and hit some shots, and then all of a sudden, that's when you started to see the sparks that we're talking about here. Um Mick says after the game that, you know, he needs Jalen to be that kind of a spark plug, especially on defense, and, and I fully agree. Um, he has that, that energy. He has that spirit that it's this intangible quality that, that you can't really teach, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, he has that thing that can kind of go through the team, and we'll need it in, in, in these early, the early parts of this year because we do have a younger team. And I do think our ceiling is incredibly high, but there are some things I think we got to work on, um, you know, cleaning up our defensive communication, getting the freshmen involved and getting them fully up to speed, developing a bench. Um, these are things that we're going to have to work through in the early parts of the year. And a guy like Jalen Clark can kind of be the energizer to what the calming influence of Jaime and Tiger already are uh, yeah. right now. He's, he's in many ways kind of the opposite of Jaime and Tiger, right? If you look at Jaime and Tiger, they have pretty calm, collected, cool demeanors on the court. And even off the court, they seem like very chill guys. Uh, Jalen is kind of, uh, in, and I mean this in the best way possible, like the spazzy dude who comes on and just really, really gets everybody going. Like he, he just adds a jolt of energy into this team. Like he's out there and you can tell he's just like, going hard he's 
a lot more vocal, it feels like, than some of those other guys on the court. And, and he's experienced now. He he has the experience to back up that energy and he can teach those young guys like when they need to, to, to be lifted up, like he can be that guy to kind of get them going and, and help them power through some lulls. So it was great to see him play. I mean, it was his offensive game looks a lot better. He looks a lot more smooth around the basket. You know, he had his one, three attempt that he nailed, it was wide open, but you know his his shot looks a little smoother. Um, so he he looks like a lot more of a complete player than he has, and we saw flashes of this, of this last year too. He had that ridiculous four or five game stretch last season where he was just taking games over, um, and he seems to have brought that out this season uh, very early on. So uh, one can hope. I know we've talked about, hey, can we find that third guy? besides Jaime, besides Tiger, who can really carry the team offensively if we need them to in stretches. And in early showings, obviously one game sample size here, but Jalen Clark might be that guy if he keeps going the way he's going. Absolutely. So if if he starts to form a semblance of, the, of a big three, and I think Again, for those of us who were watching UCLA over the past couple of years, we 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 thought that this could be in the making, and it was really great to see it actually come to life. Now he's got to be more consistent. Obviously, it's one game, um, but that would be something that's really spectacular. Uh, David Singleton, uh, I think, w- great game from him. Obviously, shooting and whatnot, but but the role that he has uh, on, on this team, again, one game sa- sample size. I think that was very encouraging. Um, clearly, he has mixed trust because he got 25 minutes, and I don't think those minutes are going to be diminishing for him. Um, you know, has has a role not just as a catch and shoot player now, but uh, you know, he's got a one dribble pull up. Uh, he got to the rim once or twice. So you know, overall balance game. I think mixed trusted circle right now is Tiger, Jalen, David Singleton, Jaime. And in this game, it was either Mac or Nuubub, so we got to see if if Bona can get in there. But those four, I think, are his trusted guys. The challenge for Mick now is we got younger guys on this team, and I think you you can see it, right? I mean, all the 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 defensive communications, pick and rolls, all the, all that stuff. It's it's not exactly where it can and probably will be in the future, but we're going to need to develop that in the early part of this year and. You know these next two games that we got coming up, they're they're, they're lesser opponents, but they're not exactly full on cupcakes. Long Beach State is expected to contend for the Big West this year. Norfolk State is is expected to contend in their conference as well. So, you know these are games where you know you are expected to win and should win, but it's not exactly you know bad competition. And this will be a test for Nick, I think. Both of them. Both both potential tournament teams. This is a test for Mick because I, I I think we got there were some like really good games coming the week after we're going to Vegas, and these are kind of the tune up games for that. And how can we get these other guys involved and keep them out there and allow them to grow through this period? Because this is the time they have for that. It's not going to get any easier than what it is right now. Yeah, and and it was unfortunate that we didn't have Bone out there this past game uh, to get some of those jitters out in your first game. But you know, against Long Beach State, you know he should be out there. Um, 
and we'll see kind of what that first unit all together looks like now in an actual game setting. I know we saw them in the exhibition, but this is a little different. I feel like there's, there's when you have an actual game on the line that matters. Um, and, and I'm interested to see now, like how we can get Bailey more involved though. I know you mentioned this, like we need to get him more involved in, in the, with the ball. Well, you know, in his I hands. think that. <laughs> what? You know, I think that. Yeah. And, and I'm interested to see if, if Mick thinks that because he's talked about how Bailey is such a great distributor and a guy who can you know, move the ball when Tiger isn't on the court or even when he is on the court. Like he he is going to be a point guard in the NBA. It's just a matter of can we get him to be a point guard right now? He has all the skill sets. He has the tools to do it. Um, and you know he's he's he hasn't scored a lot, but he's been doing a lot of little things on the court that I think are really encouraging. Like he's been getting to his spot to shoot the ball and getting good looks. He just hasn't dropped them all, but you know, he's been playing hard on defense. He is clearly bought in. Um, you know, he's, he tries to rebound pretty hard. Like he shows off some of that athleticism and that willingness to, and that motor that he has. It's just, you know, I think there's going to be an adjustment period here a little bit. But I do think when that light turns on for him and when that and when the game slows down a little bit, when he's adjusted, he he can be that third or fourth guy to go to. It's just a matter of, like, how do we actually incorporate him into the offense? If Tiger's going to be the guy with the ball still, like, are we going to be using him purely as an off guard? Like, how what is his role going to be? And so that's something that I know we, we want to watch. I, I agree with you, Kevin. I think he should have the ball in his hands, too. Like, him and Tiger should play off each other and, and distribute the ball. When Tiger's not on the court, I I, I know we've been going to um, Dylan Andrews as kind of the, the point guard when Tiger isn't off the, or on the court. I'd like to see Bailey kind of le- be the lead guard in there uh, and see what that looks like. Like, I think there's opportunities to feature him and get him involved there. Uh, but... It, We'll see what we end up doing on that front. Yeah, to Mick's credit, he 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 admitted this as much in in the post game after after the the Sac State game. Um, you know, he, he's trying to figure out what Amari Bailey is is really good at and is really comfortable with, and it's on him to incorporate that into the overall offense and into the overall flow of 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 the team. Um, so you know, good on Mick for for recognizing that. I think the the early returns uh, on what you're seeing from Amari again, very small sample size, two games. Um, maybe really rushing his shooting, you know, really only one game. Maybe rushing his shooting just a little bit, uh, but like you said, he he clearly can handle the ball really well. Um, he's getting to good spots. He has found guys uh, and gotten them shots as well. Uh, even if it's not like so, like some of those really flashy passes, he's gotten them all in good positions. If we can find a way to get him involved and get his confidence up, because you can see the ability is there. And if this isn't a Peyton Watson situation by any stretch. Like you can see that the ability is there and he's got the game to do this. He's ready. He's not for a guy who's going to turn the ball over anytime he touches it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm no, no, but, but beyond that, like he's got the game for this level. Like he, he is, he is, he's right there. 
if we can somehow find a way to maximize Amari Bailey, get him into this this offense, have him sharing the ball with Tiger Campbell and then and, and moving the ball well, that right there I think is when this becomes you know a a team that's you know trying to win the Pac-12 to, to like no we're gonna be like one of the the four or five best teams in the country like the entire year. Um, like once, because because I think we're we're gonna take some things for granted. We're gonna take for granted that Tiger and Jaime are gonna be great, right? I think we expect that. We expect Jalen to take that next step. He's not gonna go seven for seven every game or, or do that, but but I think we all expect him to take that step. And we all, to some extent, like expect Adam Bono to be a very good defensive player. Like, is he gonna be Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, like Jalen Clark said? I don't know, but like, I think we all expect those things to happen. I think Jalen Clark might be defensive Pac-12. Right, right. Well, year, according like... to him, those two are gonna compete for it. If we can get Amari Bailey to come along with confidence and get him in a, in a flow with this, like that's when this becomes an absolutely devastating team, and we really start to reach our ceiling. Um, that's one that, that that's really uh, that that's how cr- critical I think it is. So I'm really going to be watching that these next couple games. I don't expect that it's going to just trigger these next two, but I'd like to see some improvement um, just overall in that area to where maybe we can news, go into Vegas. The good news at the end of the Sac State game, he he had some plays in garbage time, but you know I think that's good for a player to see some shots go down, make some plays, even if it's against whatever competition it is, like. In a game setting, in your first official college game, seeing that happen, even at the end of the game, I think is very, very good for confidence. And so we saw him do that. It seemed to clearly uh, be clicking a little bit more. uh, And hopefully that kind of translates over and and he can build upon that in the next game to keep improving. Yeah. And then the last thing is, you know, we got a bench here of, you know, Dylan Andrews, Abramo Zanka, Singleton, I think, is the one that's for sure going to play. Um, but between Andrews, Zonka, and I think Mac will de- will play also, rotating with Bona. It was great um, to see Mac out there. It was really good to see Just Mac wanna, out there. Want to put that out there? Uh, yeah, and played a lot of energy. Um, you know, I think when we the the Mac that we all remember from, I, I won't even call it his freshman year, his high school senior year when he played for us uh, into that tournament. Uh, he's he's definitely gotten a lot stronger. He definitely looks uh, a lot more like a college post player now. And that kind of showed itself in terms of just, you know, four block shots, the seven rebounds, uh, so on and so forth. And um, I don't so think that's he, definitely encouraging. It was definitely encouraging to see this. I, I, I don't think he's fully healthy yet either. It was clear he was kind of on a pitch count. And you could tell, like, he, he still wasn't moving as fluidly as he he probably can he clearly had zero lift whatsoever to his shot uh so and and not to say he was ever the bounciest guy but i do think that he he's a little bit more athletic than that and i think as he gets healthier and gets more comfortable back back into playing shape like you'll see a little bit more on that front but but yeah, you, you're right. He played really well for limited minutes. He showed a lot of energy. He played pretty solid defense. And he looks like like a, a 12-year battered NBA like center right now. Grizzled, <laughs> messed up knees, like he, but he's just a big and strong dude and, and has that mean streak down low. So I, I, I think that he will play a lot of valuable minutes. And, and honestly, he played better than Nubov out there. 
Which yeah, isn't saying a lot, but Yeah, right. Yeah. Um yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, um good to see Mac out there. We'll be interesting to see how we use Dylan Andrews and, and Brown Lazanka uh, in these upcoming games as well. Because again, Mick has a circle of trust here. D- David Singleton is very much in that. Uh, I, I thought in the Sac State game, he took some minutes from Bailey as well. Um, and we, we played that lineup of you know Tiger, Singleton, Clark, Jaime, and Mac. That was the lineup that was out there for a really long time. That's thought, where we went on that 20-0 run. And we, and we went on that huge run. Going to be interesting in this game because, you know, and this is why Mick gets paid the big bucks. You know, how do we balance getting that in there and making sure the game is comfortable and in hand, but getting these guys some minutes and getting them comfortable? Um, Because this is the time to play through this stuff. It's not going to be next week when we play Illinois or or if we have to play Baylor. Uh, It's not going to be then. No, I I think Zonka is going to be more of a project player. I think we'll see a few minutes out of him, but... I, I like what I see from him out there. I mean, he isn't shooting the ball a whole lot, but he looks like he's a willing defender. He's very long. I love the um, length because we need that on this team. Uh, he, we don't have you know, the he, tallest guys. Right. He reminds me a lot just from a body perspective and how he kind of moves around the court of Chris Smith. He has that similar type of of um, body type that I think that he could be a similar player in terms of defense and, and we we obviously we need that kind of length. Uh, the other guy that I'm hoping to see soon is Will McClendon coming back from injury. Still, I know he's still progressing, but fingers crossed that he can come back sooner rather than later because he he allegedly had a very good three point shooting stroke as well uh, and was a willing defender. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see him out there soon. Hopefully that that happens in the next game or two as well. According to Mick, it's probably going to be until mid-December. So, uh, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait on that one. In the meantime, though, like, I think we got Tiger. We got David Singleton as, like, good three-point shooters. You know, between, I, I think, assuming that, you know, they're going to be consistent. You know, we didn't see Jaime shoot, shoot any perimeter shots this game. I wonder if we're really going to see him much more. Um, you would think he will because... That's probably the feedback that he got from scouts that he's going to have to show that he can shoot from out there. Um, so that'll be interesting to see as well in these next two games between Jaime and then is Jalen Clark's you know three point shot for real? Um, can Amari Bailey get going from out there? Uh, the, all, all, all things I think to monitor too in these these upcoming games. Yeah, and uh, frankly. I'm just excited to see a Dumbona back out there. <laughs> like, we haven't even talked about him, but yeah, I mean, I, I really just I, I don't want to hype this up too much because if we get a Dumbona that's going to be controlling the paint and just fly swatting things out of there in the way that like Coloco was for Arizona or something, he's obviously not as tall as Coloco, but uh, but of that of that sort, if that's what we're looking at, um, yeah, watch out. <laughs> just well, just watch just, out again the we've only seen him in exhibition minutes but just with the ferocity that he approaches the game with especially the defensive side like i just like my eyes are just fixed on him anytime the uh, the other team had the ball i was like are they going to try to drive it on him please try to drive it on him all i want to see is him 
try to absolutely murder this ball and this poor guard that is going to try to drive it on him. Like, that's all I wanted to watch was some, like, little D2 dude try to drive on a Dembona and him just being, like, absolutely go ham on trying to block the, block the ball. That's all I want to watch every game. Yeah, like, this Long Beach State game, I think, is going to be a, uh, an interesting one for a Dembona because... Because we played Long Beach State a lot over the years, and you know one thing for sure: they're not going to come in and take any shit. Like they're going to try to come and hit you in the mouth, um, and and they they don't obviously got the horses that that we do. Uh, but we've watched enough Long Beach State UCLA games over the years to know that uh, they, they play they, hard. They they, they they come and they play hard. So uh, this will be a fun test, I think, overall for all our guys. Yeah, they play hard. They have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. A lot of them are local guys who. You know, probably didn't get looked at by a school like UCLA, and they try to come in and prove themselves, which is totally fair. And and they're generally pretty decently coached. So as as Dan Munson, I think, is still their coach. So they uh, they will. I won't be surprised if this game starts off pretty close. Uh, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. They're they're always a solid team. So. Uh, it should, it will happen, and I would expect us to just break away by you know end of the first half into the second half. But yeah, I think, I'm, I'm excited. I, I I think that, and then even when we do that, because you remember we played them last year, um, we we took the game away, but they don't even go away at that point. So I I think in many ways it's a good game to play at this time in the year, um, to get us ready for what's going to happen in the next week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the uh, level just gets raised tenfold, right, going into next weekend. So we have this game, we have Norfolk State afterwards, and then we have Illinois. Oh. And then probably Baylor after that. So it will be a, a big test, big weekend for, for UCLA. It'll be a fun weekend. Definitely okay. a nervous weekend. <laughs> That is, yeah. Uh, well, I'm not looking ahead to it yet. I'm just looking ahead to tomorrow's exactly. basketball we, game we, and the football game Saturday. That's it. That's it. That's all that's isn't happening. Isn't this fun? Right? Isn't this fun? We got two top, I'll have to go with the AP poll for now. The two top 10 teams. It's a, uh, it's, I, we talked about this last week, but it's a rare occurrence for UCLA. But it's it's a rare occurrence for anybody to have two top 10 teams ranked. I was looking at it today and there's not very many teams like that in, or schools like that in the country right now. So we're in rarefied air for not just UCLA, but just college sports in general. So let's enjoy it. Who knows when the next time this will happen, especially for, for football, like for basketball, I expect it to happen you know, pretty often, hopefully, under Mick Cronin. But for football, you never know. So let's let's enjoy this uh, rare lining up of two top ten revenue sport programs. Just put it that way. Well, before we get to that weekend, let's have a fun weekend this weekend. Um, a le- slightly less fun weekend, but we just got to take care of some business. But... Um, yeah, I think with that, I think we will wrap it up. Um, 
And we will come back to you guys next week, hopefully with a couple of W's under our belt going into a massive, massive um, weekend, rivalry weekend. So uh, with that, we will sign off and go Bruins.